Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Welcome officially, I think, to the NFL offseason. I-, I know it took a little while, and the Super Bowl happened both a thousand years ago and like yesterday in some ways. But at this point, we are fully in this realm where Nate, you're writing about un- you're writing about unrestricted free agents and roster building, and we're looking ahead to the draft, and there are mock drafts out, and we're looking at interior offensive linemen because we gotta fix the things we saw happen in the Super Bowl. And Seth's going to film reviews and taking on Skip Bayless on Twitter for some reason. We have fully entered the post-Super Bowl 55 era of Times Ours here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. I said all of our names, but it didn't fully derail us. I feel like even we have some room to get better this offseason. Of course, we always have room to get better. And look, you're not going to know until you put things on tape and then you say, oh, we could just throw that right into the trash can. (laughs) So, um, And that's only a reference that the four of us know, uh, including... Uh, the wonderful Danielle Lehman, uh, making all of us sound way smarter than we probably are um, from a producer standpoint. But no, it's it's uh, it's cold. It's February. Oh, and I have an itch to want to go to the combine that won't happen in oh. the way it was normally constituted. And that tells you how weird of a time it is that I'm, I'm itching to pack my bags to go to icy Indianapolis, it will not happen. Of course, obviously the pandemic is still, uh, still among us, but yeah, just a weird, a weird time to be looking at, wait, how many players do the chiefs have that are unrestricted free agents? Whoa, that's a lot more than I, than even I realized. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, here we go. Uh, we're a, a month. We're a month away from free agency. Seth, I don't want to fully ask you to just play reruns from our conversation on Almost Entirely Sports on 810 this week. Uh, but we started off because you, as everyone knows, you're, you're the real MN Chiefs fan because that stands for Minnesota, where it hasn't been sunny or above 20 degrees since 1972. And for all of us in Kansas City who have we're on the we're on the right side of it now. We had our like negative 12 day, but ever mm-hmm. since then it's warmed up a little bit. It's like I think we're in the, the the high single digits right now and I'm basically ready to go outside and sunbathe. Like I am loving it right now in yeah. the 7 and 8 degrees range. But do you have some some words of encouragement, a quick tip or trick that maybe the Kansas Cityans could use to kind of buck up in this circumstance as you're sitting up there and God knows how cold weather? <laughs> Actually, it's nine degrees right now as we record. Look at that! Yeah, it's Ball not me. bad. Tonight's, tonight's our last really cold night. It's going to get down to negative 22. And then oh! tomorrow night, like the lows are starting to change. And uh, <clears throat> But yesterday we got above zero for the first time in about three weeks or so. Wow. And so basically here it's just this. Pop Kansas the champagne. <laughs> Here's the deal. That, that that deep cough is from all the cold. So <laughs> Kansas Cityans, when it's when it's below zero and it doesn't get to like more than single digits for multiple days in a row, gotta make sure to run your dishwasher. Yeah. Right? Gotta make sure to run your, your clothes washer, because otherwise they freeze. Cause a lot of them have exterior pipes on exterior walls. And You'd be amazed how quickly those pipes can freeze, and then you've got a problem because they are hard to thaw out. Get, get um, them bad just, boys to drip, drippity drip get, out here in these yeah, streets. But, now, but when if when it gets to be negative temperatures, you don't want it to drip, to just drip, because then what'll happen is it, the water won't be moving fast enough, and that'll make it freeze as opposed <laughs> yeah. to an empty pipe. Now it's the craziest thing. 
And so, you know, a little moving water, you know, make, make it happen. The other thing, if you can plug your car in, which apparently is not something Kansas Cityans knew about. I had no idea that there was a thing called a block heater. Heat a block, block heater. Block heater. A block heater. And, and so a lot of your cars might not have it. If you, They might, you know, check out for it. It'll look like a little extension cord sticking out of your car. You probably already knew you had it if, if you do. Because apparently that is way less common in Kansas City. Because I mentioned that on Twitter and I had people immediately say to me, what are you like? Talking to me like I legit like said, well, no, what you got to do is just, uh, you know, cook some waffles on your car and like or just something completely (laughs) outlandish. And so just just remember, and this is the final thing. And Josh, you're experiencing this today. The great thing about like negative 10 degrees is the next time it hits 20, because normally I think 20 is pretty cold in Kansas City, right? That's actually where we're at right now. I just looked. Yeah. It's actually 20 degrees here right yeah. now as you record this. And when it's been negative 10, normally when, when you know, I remember when we went to the Seattle game in 2014, I want to say, or maybe 2015, when Jamal Charles was a demigod, one of the greatest games I've ever watched. <laughs> I always have to do a shout out to JC there. Um, the I, most it, important JC in Seth's life, Jamal Charles. <laughs> I will do a 40-minute gospel presentation right now, Josh. <laughs> about, about, how, about how Jamal Charles is the one path to salvation. <laughs> Jamal Charles deserves the Hall of Fame. He, so, he, and, and he rose from ACLs, kids. <laughs> he did. And so the, the you know, it, was, it was like mid to high 20s, and everyone was telling us how cold it is. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, I guess. I don't know. And so the, here's what you guys are discovering now. After negative 10, 20 degrees feels incredible. And you're like, kind of want to walk around in shorts almost. Maybe don't, but you kind of want to. So, hey, I'm excited for you people in Kansas City. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's what a time to be alive. You know, you're alive when you step outside and you take deep breath and it hurts your lungs so bad. That's how you know you're alive. I'm, I'm just happy my car continues to work. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I have, I've really never experienced negative like consecutive days of negative uh, temperatures. So um, as you can imagine, real harsh reality uh, going from, hey, I thought I was going to have a chance to collect confetti for all of Mm -hmm. our lovely listeners to wait, what, what, what's the temperature as we about to land right now? (laughs) What, what's the temperature? And it's only going to get lower (laughs) the next, the next couple days. Cool. It, it might be good that you didn't have the confetti choice this year because I feel like you would have had a very hard time resisting the urge to burn it for heat in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> just anything. Every just little a, bit helps. Yep. Yeah, just warmth. <sighs> well, with that all, uh, with, with that, that little Minnesotan handbook there, I'm going to crack open a window and you guys want to talk about uh, some of the things you wrote this week? Let's talk Chiefs. Free agency starts in a month. That blows my mind. It blows. I mean, it, it, I, it comes so fast. Yes. Um, when you make it to the Super Bowl. And, you know, uh, that's why Brett Veach has people who have to think about the future much sooner than we do, right? Yeah. Right. And I totally, just on a side note, because let's face it, we're recording, which means I'm on Twitter and reading Twitter when I'm not talking. And, and mm. tweeting about the show. And, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Someone raised a really good point about the uh, the the salary cap and what a weird year this year is. So I really want to talk about that if we get a chance. These are things I should talk to you about before the show, Josh, but instead, I'm doing it right now. I mean, is there a reason to not just, how long is this bit going to take? Like, you want to, can you talk about, it? let's just, I mean, just talk about it. Let's just go. Let's just, here you go. Ball's in the air. Slam it home. 
oh man, that's a lot of pressure. You um, brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I and and see here I am in the corner being like, they not running what the play was called. No, <laughs> did Danielle's looking at the refs like, what are they doing? And I'm, I'm just team like, wolfing look, you. Look, I, you I, were I, you were taking the ball up the court. And I just stole that rock from you. Oh, you wanted to run three, coach? How about instead we run me? Yeah, well, here's you know I was going to hate I, that. The first, the first play out of the playbook was actually going to be a deep shot to Seth anyway. I mean, even oh. I, for, first play was a handoff to Seth on the, because you got to establish the run on first down, of course. Sure, on of the course. winter weather stuff, he got like a nice little four yard gain. It could have yep. been worse. Cloud, but then I was going to take a deep dust. shot. Yep. <laughs> Six, four, uh, four yards and a cloud of powder. And then I was going to take a deep shot on second and six and try to get Seth to talk about Patrick Mahomes. And then he, then you know what that was? False start. Number whatever Seth is. How old are you, Seth? 50-something? <laughs> you know what? I I tried to talk before you could guess an age. So that was very well done on the follow. No, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes first. I I'm, want to. I'm not going to. We're not going to get to the salary cap thing if we don't just if we don't just do it now. I'm going right, to forget. Okay, I've, okay. I've got a squirrel memory. <laughs> that's not true they remember where they put their food like i don't even remember that <laughs> you're like that person that finds crackers in his pocket like a month later like oh man i forgot well, about these sure I mean, we're having a lot of fun here i don't put crackers in my pocket i'm not <laughs> i'm not a psychopath <laughs> hey, you take that back about my daughter okay you know what <laughs> no no <laughs> She's seven. I feel like that makes it, you know, a yeah, little yeah. different. I'm not a psychopath or seven. There's okay, my that's full fair. Statement. No, I, I just, this is just an interesting thought that I think is interesting. Um, He he said redundantly. Selling it well so far. I'd love if we could get to it. <laughs> so um, someone tweeted out the idea that, cha- that free agency is going to be wild, that there's a lot of really good players available, and there are. And because the salary cap is probably going to be, everyone's saying like they think around 180, maybe a little higher. There's a lot of teams that have to cut a lot of players too, which means more players, right? Mm-hmm. Because not every team, you know, we always talk about like the Chiefs restructuring things into signing bonuses. Y'all, not every owner, like we talk about like Patrick mm. Mahomes, like, uh, well, well we're just, they're just going to convert Patrick Mahomes' you know, salary to signing bonus. You understand that means hoisting over like a $17 million check. Mm-hmm. And not every owner can do that. <laughs> now, Clark Hunt, hold on, let me check. Yep, still got a lot of money. Uh, I had to Google it, but he's still got a lot of money. So that allows them to play around with things. They, they, they can play around with things. Not everyone can. Some people just got to cut guys, which means you're going to have teams that can't spend as much. Some guys are going to get left out in the cold. Like if you look at the list of, uh, wide receiver free agents, not every one of those dudes is going to get paid huge money. Yeah. Which means you're going to have one year because what they're going to do is say, okay, here's the deal. Their agent's going to tell them, this is the theory. The agent tells them, hey, look, the market sucks this year. Um, COVID, this stinks for everyone. New TV contracts are coming up after this season, I think it is, mm-hmm. which means, and mm-hmm. those contracts, COVID or no, those contracts are going to be stupid. You know, you never know if Google decides to jump in. Like, who knows, right? Because there are some streaming powers that are there to challenge the powers that be right now. Amazon's coming for you, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Amazon. I have heard that Amazon's pockets aren't empty. I've heard that. Um, So they're going to be huge. And the salary cap's going to jump back up. It might not get to like the 300 million, 400 million places that we thought it was going. But remember, that was the conversation before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so what what an agent's probably going to tell you, look, 
here's the deal. Salary cap's going to go back up here next year, next two years, something like that. In the meantime, you know what we need? We need to find you a place where people will notice you. And we need you to sign a one-year deal, just lay low, put up stats, and let's hit the market next year. Is it my imagination or is that low-key a massive advantage for Super Bowl contenders? Mm. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. I'll let Nate I'll let Nate expand on it more because you've got a little bit of a better feel. I think of of all of the things that are going on, the conversations that are being had. But that makes sense to me. <laughs> if you got to take a one year deal, do it with the team that's going to win. Yes, and, and going to be on national television games. Going to be obviously the late afternoon Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, hell Wednesday night, whatever night they're playing <laughs> NFL games. <laughs> on. <laughs> but to to elaborate on on Seth's really smart point is. I'm gonna hit you on this Zoom. I'm gonna hit you on this on this FaceTime. Um, I guess we could still be doing Skype if if you if you keeping your money tight. But look, as your agent, <laughs> as your agent, you just gotta ball out. Like, how many agents in the next four weeks are gonna be like, you just gotta ball out, okay? Ball yep. has got to be out this year, okay? You got you got to ball out. You got to shut your mouth. You got to not get injured, and you got to ball out some more. Okay, because <laughs> if if you want to make a significant amount of money in a year or two's time, yeah, it would be advantageous of you to take this team friendly deal now, so that when the owners got a little bit more money, you're not friendly at all <laughs> for your services. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so there's going to be a lot of conversations. Uh, like that. And one way that this sort of benefits the Chiefs, as both of you guys understand, is um, do the Chiefs have a Hall of Fame coach? They do. Do the Chiefs have a Hall of Fame quarterback? I'll take this one, Seth. They do. (laughs) Do the Chiefs still have most of their coaching staff intact that has went to three consecutive, at least, AFC Championship games? I think they they do. Will will the Chiefs be on national TV games? I believe so. All of this benefits, if it's close, the Chiefs having a real chance to land whoever that free agent is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you're comfortable with your finances and you're, you know, if if you're okay um, with your living arrangements, you know, obviously with everything going on with your family, if you're okay taking, let's say, a million to a million and a half, two million less now, but benefiting in the larger end, like... A lot of people have sort of, and I, and I mentioned this in my story on The Athletic, but like Emmanuel Agba did really well for himself. It could be times for that if you handle this sort of mm-hmm. scenario correctly. Um, and so the Chiefs understand what their advantages are in how this plays out in terms of the rest of the landscape of the league. Um, and so, sure, X team could, have, could offer you two more million dollars this year. And it might be in a you know, no state income tax, Florida. But if you play well and you do well here, that could mean something uh, further down the line. So it it all makes sense. But uh, a lot of agents are going to have to have a hard conversation as to, and I've started to tell friends this in our own profession. And if they're listening, uh, they will know exactly what I'm about to say. 
Really, guys, we're all on one-year deals, okay? <laughs> like, like, we are all on one-year deals. So let me just tell you right now, ball the hell out. <laughs> we're all on one-year deals. I love that. I'm just saying, like, especially, like, say, like, wide receivers. I mean, right now, now someone's going to get franchise tag. But Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galloway. Who, who can play? I the, the all Will Fuller who talk about a dude who needs a one year deal mm-hmm. and somewhere well, that honestly that's one of my favorite I, and I understand health stuff concerns people and everything but that is one of my favorite scenarios is where Brett Veach calls Will Fuller and says Hey man you uh think you might do all right with Pat Mahomes throwing you the ball and Tyree Kill on the other side of the field? Think that might work for you. <laughs> that one year thing could work, mm-hmm. could work. But th- I mean, those are just the the top four there. You also have multiple other guys who kind of hit that that second, like 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 Juju. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster. He was a year ago. Everyone thought he was a shoo-in for a massive contract. You've got Corey Davis who balled out this last year. There's just a lot of guys. That are out there. And so anyway, I thought that was just interesting to me. The number of players, like you said, that are going to have to have a tough conversation. Like like Jadavion Clowney would be an example for a defensive lineman who, yep. you know, he keeps... It feels who's like giving, him a, who's giving him a two-year or longer deal? The answer is nobody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and some of these guys also, now they got to deal with the fact, like some of these defensive linemen, they're like, oh, there's a lot of teams looking for a defensive lineman. Well, now J.J. Watt's a free agent. Yep. And it just changes a lot when you've got a really, really good free agent group and a weird year. So it's just interesting to me because we don't really know, like, will it be kind of similar? Will players just go after the team that offers them the most money? I mean, in most cases they will, but there's always, usually there's like a middle class that gets squeezed, right? And you see a few guys left out. And whatever teams can kind of snap those guys up, like like Bashad Breeland, right? Chiefs have had very competent cornerback play multiple years in a row for pennies. Usually there's only a few guys like that. This year, you might have like genuinely borderline elite players that have to take those one-year deals. It's just an interesting thing. Well, here's here's the good news and bad news. Good news is that's our opening topic today. The bad news is your Patrick Mahomes story is getting moved to the bottom of the rundown, Seth, because there's a natural segue now to what Nate wrote about. And so we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around to maybe some lessons learned from the Super Bowl and all of that. But since we're here in this kind of pre-off-season little space where, where things aren't necessarily happening just yet, but all these conversations are very, very relevant, the one thing that, that the one name that, didn't come up in uh, Seth's list of wide receivers there because he was listing receivers that haven't been on the Chiefs the last Ooh, couple crap. of years, is Sammy Watkins. Right. I feel bad about that. Well, I mean, you're doing other guys. Yeah, You're doing, that you're was doing guys that didn't bring in. Right, correct. But, no, 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 but and, here's the and, thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I, I think that that's in some ways a, a little bit indicative of where our head is at with Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. and, and for, for most Chiefs fans at this point because, and boy, it just shows, I mean, so many decisions get made or or so many opinions get set based on things like playoff performance 
And it's just usually, it's just, I think that, I think that is interesting. I don't know if it's always good or always bad, but I think it's always a little bit interesting to talk about, you know, we got playoff Sammy last year and, and he was a hero that justified his contract over the course of a couple of games. And then this year he never fully got healthy. He didn't show up in the Super Bowl, and, and right. it, you know, the, the bad taste in the mouth of Chiefs fans right now is that Sammy Watkins is never healthy and has never been good. And <laughs> even though a year ago we were having a very different conversation. But, Nate, you wrote a piece in The Athletic that's up right now. People can go, should go check it out because the, the way you lay all this out, it's a really, really, really useful just sort of pocket guide to what you should be expecting right now for the Chiefs free agents that are going to hit the market. Or are set to hit the market. Right. And the first one that you, you wrote a little bit about is Sammy Watkins. You said your prediction is that he hits the market and, and tries to see what his value may be. But what we just mentioned is all of those receivers that are out there. Yep. Also, by all metrics, it's a pretty deep wide receiver class, both at the top and throughout the class, because college receivers seem are seemingly more and more pro-ready every year. I think that the, the, the path for Sammy Watkins to be one of those guys that needs a one-year deal. May, I think that is probably his widest one. And for all the conversations about the Chiefs adding someone on like a one-year deal, even drafting a receiver very highly to help with some of the issues we saw in the mm -hmm. Super Bowl, how often has Andy Reid had a receiver either drafted or a vet come in and be super-duper productive their first year in the system? Sammy Watkins might be the best argument for that, which is kind of crazy. I don't. I, there could be a name I'm, I'm blanking on, but... Um, that, that turnaround seems pretty rare. So what are you thinking about Sammy Watkins specifically right now? Yeah, it's, it's a good way to think about it because the only other guy that I can really think of in the first year coming from the free agency that had a, an immediate impact was probably Jeremy Macklin. Um, you know, so who, who, yeah, go ahead. No, you, you go. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do some and I'm I'm gonna actually this is crazy this is gonna be very out of character I'm gonna actually get my facts straight and then have a take about Jeremy Macklin. Okay, so I I, I remember Jeremy it's Macklin, out of character. Yeah, kind of <laughs> kind of moving the needle. Um, yeah, of course this was different for the Chiefs back in 2018 when they signed Timmy Watkins where they knew they were gonna overpay him because hey the kid reached free agency like that's the name of the game in a normal year. Um, you have to overpay for somebody. But they knew that, like, we have Travis Kelsey, we have, you know, Tyreek Hill, and this is Patrick Mahomes' first year, so we want to give him as much talent around him as possible to ensure that he succeeds. Um, every scenario is different this year. It was at this point last year, kind of around a little bit after uh, Valentine's Day, that it started to become known to me, and I was, like, I think slightly ahead of the curve of most other reporters, mm. where it it became indicative that Sammy Watkins wanted to come back to the chiefs and that the chiefs felt very optimistic that they could find a way uh, to get him to return in a restructured deal. That was obviously going to be the situation. Uh, the moment the parade ended was, Hey, let's work together on this. And even though Sammy kind of thought about what it could possibly be like in free agency, there was a pandemic. There was a historic rookie draft class, which essentially, um, you know, you know, confirmed itself, I think, in a lot of ways based on all the rookie receivers and what they were able to do over the last season. And now the salary cap is not going to be what it normally would be. At the time, back in April, when Sammy agreed to restructure his deal, a lot of it was personal for him because he wanted to prove to not only the Chiefs, but to himself. In 
you know, through a lot of the incentives that, hey, I can do this. I can be a thousand yard receiver, you know, with another year in the system, with more chemistry with the quarterback. And sure, it could be somewhat chaotic because we may not have the traditional offseason period where you're just going through a, a bunch of reps. But like, I trust myself. I trust my body. And in some ways, he was kind of lending his trust to the Chiefs medical staff. Now, it's nobody's fault as to like why he got hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. he, 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 against the Falcons, he, was getting out of his release, and his calf just popped. I mean, it just, like, for whatever reason it happens, he was never the same. Brett Veach was kind of put in an interesting position during the week of the Super Bowl where we sort of asked him, hey, it looks like Sammy's going to be your biggest free agent yet again, um, and you're not going to franchise him, so what do you do? As I've said before, Brett Veach loves Sammy Watkins. That has not changed, despite, obviously, the outcome being different this year. But I think for Sammy, it's now time for him in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm I'm mostly speaking in general terms. I hope everybody understands this. Obviously, things can change. But it's time for him to really see what is out there. Now, yep. maybe he finds out that it's not as good as it could be in Kansas City another year. But I also know the Chiefs want to get younger at the wide receiver position. That may sound weird to you, but... They want to take a, a receiver in this in this upcoming draft. Like that is that is something they want to do. I don't know how high it is on the priority list, but I'm just telling you right now, they want a receiver with this draft class. Um, obviously, they took McCole Hartman two years ago. They they're kind of on this trajectory of like let's just keep taking receivers because we have Patrick Mahomes. Um, it's. It's a gamble. It's not 50-50, but I do think it's time for Sammy to sort of see what's out there. And I think the Chiefs are okay with him pursuing other options, but them still being in the mix. Uh, but they are they are more than, I think, accepting the idea that they could be outbid for Sammy Watkins, knowing that he provided a lot of stability in the locker room that a lot of people don't realize. Um given that he wasn't really a diva at all um, and was one of the better, like, Chris Bosch type of talent where he's clearly an all-star, but, like, doesn't mind, obviously, deferring to Kelsey and Patrick and Tyreek and sort of playing his role. Um, But it's, it's, I think, I think for both parties, in a lot of ways, it's time to move on. Um, But circumstances can obviously, like Seth mentioned, he could get squeezed, and if this is the best place for you to be and you know the training staff you know the coaching staff obviously you know your teammates you've lived in kansas city for three years sure it can work but i I think sammy wants to prove to himself that he can be a number one receiver and i'm i'm totally understanding as to why he would feel that way i just real quick because i want to hear your thoughts on that seth but i I went back jeremy macklin had impacts kind of his first year with andy Reid twice the one thing though is when in kansas city uh, he, he was a thousand yard receiver that first year, and then it just dropped off. And that whole thing was all very that the whole arc of Jeremy Macklin's time in Kansas City that was, was weird, so yeah. weird, so strange. But obviously, he had spent half a decade with, or maybe uh, four seasons with Andy Reid yeah. before that. So yeah. he, you know, he wasn't coming in cold. Deshaun Jackson also his rookie year was really good with the Eagles, but also it's yeah, that's a, a relatively individual uh, circumstance there. Yes. I just wonder, because everything you just said, Nate, makes all the sense in the world, and then I'll kick it to you on this, Seth. The the thing that I can't, that, that I keep getting hung up on, though, is the idea of, of not the long-term future. I think what you just said is inarguable for what the, the Chiefs look like in, in the long-term view. 
But with the, the specific conversation that I've found myself in so many times in the last couple of weeks is, well, they didn't get the, the production they needed out of Watkins or Hardman or mm-hmm. Robinson or Pringle or anybody you want to name other than Hill and Kelsey, and really also Hill and Kelsey in the Super Bowl. But they didn't get the production out of whoever their third guy was supposed to be right. whenever Hill and Kelsey were getting all of the attention. And I don't, I don't feel super duper confident that that a rookie receiver is going to come in and successfully do that in this offense. But I'm also not super confident that Sammy Watkins is going to be able to do that on a consistent basis because we just haven't seen him stay healthy. So right. I don't, I, I feel like it's kind of an interesting. And if 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 Watkins's market is limited, and maybe he sees more value in coming back, and you're kind of alluding to is him wanting to go prove that he's a number one receiver somewhere else. I I could see. I'll, I'll compare it to someone else you read about a little bit about. I, I feel like there's a, a, a comp to how Austin Ryder might fit with the Chiefs at this point, where there's probably an upgrade to be had if you want to invest in it. But man, it makes a lot of sense for that marriage to just continue because who's going to be better for this e- offensive line on the Chiefs than Austin Ryder? Exactly. And what other team is going to be better for Austin Ryder than the Chiefs? Because he's got Patrick Mahomes behind him and he's been on right. that offensive line for a exactly. Years. And, and- right. People realize this, and I looked this up. I spent a lot of time on the offensive line because I know fans are interested in that, and I know you have too, Seth. Name me a better center in their prime who's not going to be with their team next year that can replace Austin Ryder. It's it's this weird dynamic, but, I mean, you could do it through the draft if you project somebody to be really, really good. And yeah. I know a lot of people have sort of alluded to the – the center at Alabama who obviously tours ACL right before the bowl season. But yep. um, yeah, replacing Austin Ryder is not as easy as you think, ma'am or gentleman. Right. Right. It, and so, I mean, we can address Ryder separately because I view him and, and Watkins as a little bit dissimilar. Um, I would be more not disappointed. I Here's the thing with, 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 with Watkins and, I I mean, I I, I know what his tape looked like when they signed him. I loved his tape from 2017 with the Rams. I was stunned by how good it was. But, I mean, the the biggest thing with with Sammy is when you look at games started over the course of the last three years, we've got 9, 13, and 9. And really the reason why last year doesn't get looked at more is because he came back just in time for the playoffs Mm -hmm. and played really well. And by really well, I mean, he made some really timely big plays. Yep. And it, it, at no point has he consistently produced remotely commensurate with his contract. Yep. And, and, and so the question obviously isn't that. But to me, it's the question of health. Again, this year, you know, you had a hamstring thing and it just lingered and lingered and lingered. And that's no one's fault, like you said. But it, it's... At a certain point, I've never really bought into the idea of injury prone, but at a certain point when when a hamstring indis- injury or, you know, various ailments keep someone out a lot longer and it's consistent, at a certain point, you got to stop saying, well, maybe this will be the year that he's healthy. Yeah. And I always said before, when the Chiefs signed him, I pointed out, well, you know, he played every game his rookie year, played most of his games 2015, did miss half the season 2016, and only missed a game or two in 2017. Well, then, again, he's missed time every single season in the last, I mean, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. He missed time every one of those years. At a certain point, that does matter. And so that, to me, is, I just think, 
it would be best for him to see what he could get on the market. I would be surprised if there was a huge market for him. And so that's one way I could see him ending back up in Kansas City is if he goes into free agency. And let's say like, you know, the top three guys, let's say Galladay gets, a, um, uh, you know, the franchise tag and Godwin and Robinson both get huge contracts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what are the odds that like four receivers are going to get huge contracts or franchise tag? I don't think they're amazing. And so then I think, you know, you start looking, it's like, well, if you're going to take a one year, two year flyer and a guy, you're going to take it on Sammy Watkins or Will Fuller. And so I think for a lot of GMs, that's kind of a toss up. Right. And because, you know, Fuller, but I mean, you know, Fuller is younger and did outproduce Watkins when playing last year. Mm-hmm. And that counts. And so, you know, there's an argument made. Like you said, there's a toss-up there. And there's a few other guys there, too, you know, where, like, Corey Davis finally performs really well. You you just – and then for teams that are wide receiver needy, you look at, like, the top three or four receivers in this draft, and they are good. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, are you going to really spend, you know, even $8 million a year on Sammy Watkins when you could draft – you're in position to draft Devonta Smith? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there's a chance that really he tests the market and there's barely anything there. So he comes back to Kansas City and they say, well, yeah, we'll give you, you know, four million for one year. Now, to be fair, they have been willing to pay Sammy much more at every turn. So mm-hmm. that to me seems like the most likely outcome there because you do make a good point on learning the system and stuff. Honestly, I would just and part of this is just my love for chaos. I would love to see the Chiefs. I actually have a have, a, have an offseason plan in mind for them that we can get into at another point. I mm. would love for them to grab any of these top four or five receivers that are available if one fell. And there's, there's this dude that I've been looking at a little bit that is close to me who play who, who knows how to play in the cold, fellas. And who's a big dude. A Mr. Rashad Bateman. Mm. I was wondering if you're going to make one of us say the name. No, was, no, no. I was wondering I, how, I'm just, you know how me, tantric I, that reveal was going to get. <laughs> how tantric. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't generally get too hung up on individual receivers, but I mean like all these guys, Bateman looks really impressive. Smith obviously is. Waddle really is. So it's hard for me to imagine Watkins gets paid, and I just don't think the Chiefs should at this point. Even if they bring him back for an extremely, let's say he comes back and says, guys, I'm willing to pay for it, $2 million a year. If that leads to them not having a backup plan in case he's hurt again, that would make me uneasy. Because Hardman, as much as I like him, I thought he would take a big step forward this year. He didn't. Right. Um, you know, he improved as the season went along last year. And then this year, he he did step up a few times early on when they kind of had him expand his role, but he just could not build on it. Now, whether that's him, whether it's Patrick, whether it's the system, uh, given Andy Reid's system and Patrick Mahomes' success elsewhere, the blame's get generally going to fall on him. But I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable with them relying on Sammy to be their number three next year because we just saw what happened. He wasn't healthy in the Super Bowl. He tried. Mm-hmm. He gave it a go. And so for me, I would want them to move it along just because if you can't count on someone to stay healthy, that's tough. I want for us to move it along. So we'll we'll move down the line a little bit, Nate. Uh, of the other guys that could be hitting, that are currently set 
to hit the market right now. Mentioned Austin Ryder. I- I'd love to get a little bit of a, a view on that, along with Bashad Breland. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there are some other guys uh, that are either big names or starters that you wrote about, but but those two in particular, I think, are really interesting because they obviously had very, very large roles this year. Yeah, I think Austin Ryder would be in favor of coming back. Um, the Chiefs could obviously draft at his position um, if they see fit, although um, they may feel that the priority is more towards the uh, tackle position, which you know makes sense given the yep. injuries to both Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Um, I projected a one-year deal uh, with Austin Ryder coming back because one thing that I know that teams are always aware of is, again, guy knows the system. You know, not a problem in the locker room. Quarterback likes them. They have a relationship. But if they draft somebody in the second, third, fourth round, you are essentially grooming that player to then replace the guy on a one-year deal. Um, And again, if Austin Ryder plays well on a one-year deal, maybe his uh, prospects are better in the 2022 free agency. Um, So that's my early prediction on that. It's just like I think – I think it benefits both parties because the Chiefs don't have another center on the roster. I don't think Daniel Kilgore is going to come back. I think he was always considered sort of a one-year rental, uh, which is what I also put in the athletic. Um, They don't really have another viable center. And again, as I've said earlier, it's not like you can clearly say, oh, we can immediately get that guy for X amount of dollars. And he's a clear, decisive upgrade over Austin Ryder. So that complicates things. Now, when it gets to Bashad Breeland, <laughs> <laughs> let Somebody me rub Bashad. my hands like Birdman. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is going to happen is Bashad Breeland is like, I have, I, okay, in the exit interviews, he had a really good season, quietly good season in a lot of ways. Obviously, he was suspended. He had the whole arrest thing in South Carolina, but by and large, Been a productive NFL player. He wants to get paid. In a lot of ways, he he has to get paid, okay? Mm -hmm. But Shad Reeland had a three-year deal, I believe, with the Carolina Panthers. And it all went to hell because he was out in the Dominican Republic, and um, I believe he was down there, and messed up his foot. Got some bacteria in his foot. That's I mean, like, and the Panthers were like, what? "We're good." <laughs> so he went on this vagabonds tour, uh, flirted with the Chiefs at training camp, uh, went to Green Bay, played really well in Green Bay. But everybody was like, "I don't know, man. Can I trust you? You was out here, you know, not handling yourself accordingly." And again, bit of a, um, bit of a boisterous personality. Someone I I love and endure. Every time I talk to Bashad Breeland, it's it's a it's a classic case of this is going to be fun, and I don't know what's coming out of his mouth, and that's <laughs> even better for me. Um, now, <laughs> and he can actually rap. That has to matter. Yes, yes. I've heard, I mean, he's good. Like he's, and, and not that thirty-five-year-old Minnesota white dude's <laughs> opinion is really relevant here, but I'm just saying that should matter. Anyway, continue. The, Do you know a thirty-five-year-old uh, guy in Minnesota, Josh? Why? What the? <laughs> <laughs> so look, Rashad has done his time. He has fulfilled his obligations. He has been a yes. professional. I'm, I'm mostly speaking from his viewpoint at this point. I hope you guys realize this. I I need to get paid. <laughs> like, <laughs> look, he's going to get close to 30. 
Uh, I'm not saying anything that I I don't think is a huge surprise, but yeah. Um, quietly the cornerback market not as high as it was last year. So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think he will hit the market, and the Chiefs will kind of be like, hey, you know, we're we're always around. Hey, hey, you know, Legere Steve may be a starter, but hey, hey, I'm just saying, we you know, come on home, dog, if you need to. And um, I, I I think Bashad was really was really really invested in the running back campaign. They kind of sold him on that. Um, mm. I know a lot of guys on the team kind of sold him on the idea of like, hey man, you come here, we run it back. Like you're a two time champion. Like let's make this work. They got so close. He didn't have his best game in the Super Bowl, but he is of real value in this league. And so mm-hmm. I think. I don't know how many players will get multiple year deals, but I I know one of them that hopes for that is is Bashad Breeland, just because of all the context from three years ago, the fact he's been playing on one year deal since, and I think he feels like he has played well enough to have earned this chance um, to be featured elsewhere as maybe not the top corner, but obviously a guy that's going to start and someone that you can depend on for multiple years and not feel. Um, skittish about it if that makes sense so in essence don't expect him to be back <laughs> that, that, that to cut to the core there seth do you have anything on those two guys specifically i want to i want to get through a couple other names that, that nate has mentioned here but i think those two may have some of the biggest impacts if they are or aren't back you know um i just agree with everything nate said on breland um this is probably his last chance because he's almost 30 yes mm-hmm if he doesn't get a multi-year deal now, it's going to be a series of one-year deals for him, which I think he'll his style of play is going to be fine and it's going to be good until it's not, right? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be a pretty sudden thing. He'll 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 be able to fight it a little bit when he slows down just a bit because he's so physical and he he, he contests well and he knows where he's going in zone, that sort of thing. But when he loses an actual full step, he's going to be in trouble. And he knows that. And so he's got maybe two or three years to maximize that, and he should, because he's had a weird prime. He's had a weird prime. He played really well in Washington on a rookie deal. Yep. Like Nate, Nate, Nate gave, went over the whole thing. So he's made some money. He's made decent money, but he hasn't gotten paid like he he's, could have. Look, look, he wants to make NFL rapper extraordinaire money, okay? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and you have to remember, too. As as Dominique Foxworth always says, and I think um, I, I trust him in a lot of ways. Hey man, for some reason these wide receivers get faster, and none of the cornerbacks <laughs> get faster. It is completely unfair. I need my money now. I'm almost thirty. These dudes gonna get faster. Yeah, they do. And look at this draft class coming out. Devonta Smith. I'm convinced his speed is however fast he needs to be. Because I swear, <laughs> he looks the same speed no matter who he's against, and it's always faster. That's it's such always a great like, description. Yeah. Oh. How fast is he? Faster. Faster than, than you. <laughs> than that dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What dude? That dude. Whoever's covering him. Um, it, like, seriously, if, if he was being covered by a guy who ran a 4.640, he would beat him by the exact same amount if a dude ran a 4.240. It's crazy. Anyway, Breland, agree with everything. Low-key, tough loss for the Chiefs there. Yeah. Um, because they've relied on him a lot, and I think he was their best corner most of the year. I think Sneed will slide in and do a great job as a full-time guy. I'm excited for him, but you can never have too many corners, and 
Bashad Breland's presence has been one reason they've gotten away with investing so little in the position because two years in a row, they've gotten away with a competent, dirt cheap veteran corner. And mm-hmm. that's hard to find. Yep. Yep. They, remember, remember how that worked whenever that dude was Orlando Scandrick? Like Ooh. that, that <laughs> might, that might that be a little reminder. Like you know? It yeah. worked until, it worked until Sean McVay and Jared Goff said, you know what? No. He must be cooked, and he must be cooked on every down. <laughs> uh, let let me do this, Nate. Give me outside of the offensive lineman, because I'm 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 not sure I'm fully like spicing this up, but I'm cooking up a little bit of a take on the offensive line. I'm working on. It. We're gonna get there in a second. But of of the non-offensive lineman in, in that list, it, who do you think is the most interesting? Who makes a big swing one way or another? Who you can see being up in the air? Like, look, Le'Veon Bell's not coming back. Not coming. Dan Sorensen is. Anthony Sherman's coming back. Uh, a bunch of a handful of those guys, you know. Uh, let's see, Stefan Wisniewski, probably not. But of of the guys that you feel like up in the air a little bit that you think is kind of interesting, there's a bunch of edge rushers. There's yeah. there's a, a series of mm-hmm. kind of role players we've grown to appreciate, like Mike Pinnell. Who do you think is interesting from that group? Demarcus Robinson, you mentioned earlier, outside of the offensive line that yeah. I'll, I'll come back. To. I, I mentioned him at the very end of the article for a reason. If you're a Chiefs fan, pray that none of the evaluators, pro personnel directors, assistant general managers, hell, even the rival general managers, pray that they don't look at tape past October. Like, from October on, they just, no, no, no. Let's see what the guy did in the last second half of the year. (laughs) Because Taco Charlton is a real swing indicator as to how successful the Chiefs offseason was. I described it last year as the most flawless offseason in franchise history. When you look from top, from top to bottom, everything swung in their favor. They were diligent enough to figure out all the salary cap standpoint. They got some interesting free agents at a bargain who could be contributors. Yes, kids, his name is Mike Rimmers, and don't besmirch him all the time. He was great up until he wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. If Taco Charlton returns, and I think he wants to return, uh, to the Chiefs, that would that would, I think, benefit them because, whew, guys, I looked up the Tano passing y'all stats. Yeah, it's it depressed me. Um, yeah, knowing yeah, what gone. knowing what he could have been. Um, Alex Okafor restructured his deal. I think Alex Okafor wants to, in a similar way of like Bashar Breeland and uh, Sammy Watkins, wants to see what their value is. And hey, if I can go to another contender. You know, he, he's been a really smart player about, hey, I was on the Saints. We got really close. I was on the Chiefs. We went to two straight Super Bowls. Hey, I'm a veteran guy who can get to the quarterback still at a at a rotational level. Um, You know, hey, Buffalo, y'all need pass rushers? <laughs> like, come holler at me, okay? That's Alec Okafor at the moment. But Taco Charlton, because of the injury, obviously his relationship with Frank Clark, I think he really loved playing for Andy Reid to see Spagnuolo. It was clearly different from what he had experienced in Oak, uh, excuse me, in Dallas and Miami. That it could go either way. But if you're if you're a Chiefs fan, you 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 want people to shout if somebody in like the Indianapolis Colts, you know, draft room or in their meetings or in their boards, like you don't want the Arizona Cardinals to realize that Taco Charlton exists. In fact, you want him to not exist. Up until you sign him to another one-year deal and hope that he plays uh, on a contract year the way he was sort of getting to, similar to what Emmanuel Ogba did, which is why I mentioned him in that section. Um, yep. 
he could still he could still reach that because he's just getting into his prime, and you hope he returns from his his you know knee injury um, at a favorable manner. But I I went back and forth on him for like hours when I was putting this together and like talking to some people in the league and like what do you think? But like he's a former first round pick, but is it too late? Obviously, teams are going to want to you know invest in younger guys coming through the draft, and like he's not a you know. JJ Watt, getting from JJ Watt to Taco Charlton, there's a lot of guys in between. Mm-hmm. But Taco, you know, fits with what the Chiefs want to do. And if he wants to, you know, rejoin the team again, which is the the, the thought process right now, obviously that gives the Chiefs quite an advantage. So, uh, Seth, do you have anything on on the defensive end and all of the all of the kind of the rotational guys there? It's crazy. Only one of these is on Veach, obviously, but this team spent back to back second round picks on edges, and and it seems like neither one of them are going to be on the team by the end of their after following their rookie deals. Obviously, Breathing Speaks is not already, and Passigno probably won't be. It's just it's a lot of investment in that position that didn't pan out. Right. Um, when also par- partially in there, there is still D Ford who is a, a first round pick, and they trade for Frank Clark with the first round. There's been a lot put yeah. into the edge spots on this on mm-hmm. this roster. Yes, and that's I mean that that was one thing. Uh, Charlton, who wasn't super productive, but he was starting to get there. He was providing some pressure. He was starting to rev up a little bit. And like Nate said, he does what the Chiefs want in terms of trying to get pressure well, and or at least well enough. And so he's a guy I'd like to see them try to keep around. Um, Mike Pinnell wasn't quite as consistent as you'd like. Passanio, I mean, it's just not, you're not going to see it. Um, I mean, I would be stunned if you did. I mean, he had every chance to contribute a ton and did not. Um, And so, I mean, yeah, Taco Charlton's the one there. I, oh, and this is just one. If you think that the Chiefs aren't going to bring back Dan Sorensen, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Dan, Dan Sorensen Sor- isn't even answering phone calls. What area code is this, dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Now, That's now did you so, say I'm this clip? I'm picturing Dan Sorensen sitting if in he the goes, home. The if phone he... rings. His wife goes, that's for you. What area code is it? It's New York. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hang up. Uh, now, if now Danielle, if this man somehow lands with the Philadelphia Eagles, I swear I will be flabbergasted, okay? We can rerun the audio. He's not answering the phone, okay? Yeah. He's he he's he's staying put and the Chiefs He he might Chiefs play like defensive him. end for the Chiefs, but he's <laughs> yeah. not going to play safety anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs like him. I don't think he'll be terribly expensive to keep either. I don't think there'll be a huge market for him. Fortunately for the Chiefs, he didn't like... Can you imagine how he made like another series of clutch plays in the Super Bowl, even though they lost? Then it's like, man, we got to pay... We got to pay $8 million a year to keep Dan? Like... Just for the sole purpose that you- I would have had, I would have had an aneurysm on a podcast. I would have. <laughs> if, hey. if that if that number comes down and it's it's uh, north of a north of I don't even know what it has to be. I'm gonna have to think about that. Actually, well, I think he about made, it. He made, I'm gonna he lose made it. around four last year, uh, Josh. He he was if, he made. Four I was gonna. I, I was. I, I feel like it can't be more than that on in the in the cap year that we're dealing right. with. Yeah, I think I, 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 I projected be... somewhere around three with some incentives based on playing time and statistics and things that Brett Beach and, and Britt Tillis have been able to 
get guys to to sort of agree to where like, hey, your base mm-hmm. is around two point seven five can get to like three point one if you do what you're supposed to do in the offseason. And hey, maybe three point eight if you have an all pro year. Yeah. That's I and they look, the Chiefs need a third safety. I, I do think that some of the things Sorensen does can get exploited. But maybe if they are more confident in one of their linebackers being a little faster sideline to sideline, they won't be asking him to be a hybrid type guy. I think Dan Sorensen's at his best with what we saw last year, right? Mm-hmm. Playing like 60, 65% of the snaps, mm-hmm. um, being asked to do specific things. We saw him get brought out and he got exploited a little bit, which is going to happen if he's playing 100% of your snaps. But I'd, I'd be happy if they brought him back for a reasonable price. Yes. Let me try to sell you guys on some of the offensive line here. I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to fix it all without the, without the draft. But I I was just I was reading Nate's piece and I kind of started putting together the fictional offensive line depth chart and I feel like I feel like it might be a place where the the absolute disaster that we saw in the Super Bowl might get to borderline uh where's the baby? Uh-oh, where's the bathwater? Uh-oh, they're both outside territory. Mm. So let's, so let's say Wisniewski doesn't come back. It seemed like he was not performing at the same level this year as he was mm-hmm. last year. He also came back from a torn pec, so like, that makes sense. Yep. If they think that's injury-based, then I'd, hear for, I, I'd, I'd be here for it, whatever. But let's say they bring back Mike Rimmers, who not only was he pretty good, he played everywhere except center. And I guess I, I don't know if he actually got snaps. I don't know, yeah, at left guard or whatever Did he get snaps at, at right guard? Yeah, I think he had snaps at right guard at, at times, although I have to. He, he definitely got snaps. He started the Buffalo game at left guard and then went to right tackle whenever Schwartz went out. He was all across that line. Basic. That's the most important thing. Is he hey, was everywhere. Hey, he hey, played. Hey Josh, was he was he better than yeah. Cam Irving? That that's what that he's yes his whole yes. season before like on September tenth opening night, all the Chiefs were asking is, "Hey man, can you be better than Cam Irving was?" And then he was your it, left tackle in the Super Bowl. Yeah, don't right. put and that, that on him, okay? And that's that's got to yep that that can't be emphasized enough. He he did play by far his worst game of the season. Um, he was clearly outclassed at, at left tackle. Um, who knows what it would have been like had Fisher still been playing and he got to play right tackle where he's been playing more lately. He's more comfortable putting that on Mike Remmers, a backup, having a bad game against a great defensive line is super not fair. Uh, so so let's, let's season. bring, let's bring Mike Remmers back. Yep. Let's say Coletio Simile with almost a full year to get healthy. He got hurt early in the year. If he's looking healthy, let's say Osimile comes back. Mm-hmm. LDT comes back. Mm-hmm. Austin Ryder comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Lucas Nyang back from the COVID opt out right. list. You have Nick Allegretti still there who quietly played pretty well for the most part. There were some interior offensive line conversations we had, but it wasn't Super Bowl bad until the Super Bowl. You have obviously like enormous questions about Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz and, and just like their health and, and how long their injuries are going to take to come back from. I'm not even really including them here. If I leave you a void at left tackle, but I say your offensive line is LDT, Austin Ryder, Coleccio Simile, and then you've got either Lucas Niang or Mike Rimmers at right tackle, and the other one's the swing tackle. You have Allegretti as your guy who could step in in either guard spot. Yep. You've got to figure out left tackle spot. Maybe that's a first-round draft pick. Maybe Eric Fisher's back. Maybe Mitch Schwartz comes back, and you can figure that out some other way. It's not an apocalypse over an offseason. It is whenever that all comes to fruition in the Super Bowl, and you don't have all the depth that you wanted. I'd even mention, mention Andrew Wiley in that list. Who, it's by the not way, by the way, Andrew Riley, restricted free agent. <clears throat> I don't know how that's gonna go. 
Mm. I, I, restricted free agency is a is a funny one because it it would make sense for him to be back unless someone else saw him in the Super Bowl and said yes I'll take I'll take one of those please which seems also kind of unlikely right but I don't know but Andrew Wiley may have to go into the year and basically play for his roster spot in training camp slash preseason if we have that yeah. But my the, the place where I've ended up is just sort of, and I I welcome either of you to, to, I guess, whatever the opposite of talking me off the ledge is, push me back to the ledge. I don't feel like the Chiefs need five new offense, starting offensive linemen. You are, you I feel are like correct. There, there are a couple of pieces there that over a healthy, uh, a getting healthy offseason, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not great. But it's not the end of the world. Does that does that track? Nate, it sounds like you're going to agree with me, so I'll go to you first. Yes, yes. I, I agree because if LDT is um, who we have come to know. Which is not a, which is not certain, obviously. That's, yeah, still a pandemic going on. I, I completely yep. understand. But the assumption is, is that he will be back. Um, you know, you're going you're gonna to need. It's a got to have it year from Austin Ryder. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas Niang, as Seth mentioned in previous podcasts, was really good in college, and he should be fully healthy now because he took the whole mm-hmm. year off. Partly because mm-hmm. um, he was quietly playing his last season at TCU, hurt. Well, I don't know how quiet it was. You can see it on film, as Seth alluded to previously. Hell, I'll just say it. Uh, TCU played him when they shouldn't. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, yes. let's mm-hmm. let's just be real. All right, so it's not. I mean, the pandemic has its own thing with everybody's family. We clearly get that, but he would have continued to be rushed. That may have not been at, you know, healthy for his, for the start of his professional career. So we think Niang's going to be good. Um, it's not, it's not disastrous, but who do they project to be there in the second and third round? Or do they trade down and take two swings at this in the second round? Mm. at the tackle position. The Chiefs have showed you in previous years we feel okay enough to have average interior offensive linemen because our quarterback is the best player in the league. But we need tackles. Like the Super Bowl told you, we need anchors. So... Mm -hmm. I don't think the Chiefs would go full on, you know, Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2009 NBA draft where they went Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. But hey, if you go draft two tackles, hey, if you go draft two tackles in the second round, be my guest. Okay. I, um, I, you, you're very, very correct with regards to tackles. They need them. And I would argue that. The interior offensive line maybe needs a little more TLC than what they're thinking. I'm sure they're hoping, you know, maybe LDT coming back would help. It depends on whether he plays at the levels he played 2017, 2018, as opposed to... Go ahead and clear your throat. Go ahead and clear your throat. I'll go ahead and I'll take a look. They took Rubio at five, Johnny Flynn at six, and then Steph Curry went seven. Go ahead, Seth. Um, Never forget, kids. And so... It's going to be interesting to see what they do. They they have spots. I think what's hard for Chiefs fans is after seeing an optimistic, um, after seeing an optimistic kind of take on what could happen with the Super Bowl, you know, with some of their depth and stuff. And again, they were ravaged by injuries. I think people are going to be looking for more of an overhaul. So much depends on 
Fisher and Schwartz's health. And we're going to have to have a lot of conversations about Eric Fisher because mm-hmm. he tore his ACL in the AFC Championship. Or not Achilles. his ACL, his Achilles, Achilles yep. which is yep. worse in terms of recovery. Yep. You and I wouldn't blame the Chiefs one bit if they went out and signed a veteran left tackle or like even splurged to try to do it, you know, with some salary cap voodoo. I wouldn't blame them or took one in the first round or whatever. Just because we we saw what a big deal protection can finally be. Like we saw the limits of Mahomes and well, also when people don't catch passes, but that's a yes. whole nother ball of wax. That matters too, kids. Like doesn't matter what you did if you don't catch it. Um, but I, I would love to see them invest a little more up front, which they have previously. And I think now it might be time to reinvest. A lot depends on Schwartz. I think, you know, it's just an entirely different Super Bowl if Schwartz is healthy because you can call plays rolling to the right because wouldn't have mattered whether it was JPP or Shaq or whoever, right? They would have been shut down. That's just what Mitch Schwartz does. So I don't know. I really do like Lucas Niang though. So I guess we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Josh, anymore. I'm talking to myself in all kinds of stuff right now. I'm, I'm still convincing myself they could somehow get Trent Williams to, like, ring hunt. So, uh, I Well, if that happens, we'll talk about it then. Yeah. <laughs> real, real quick, if, if a left tackle uh, persuades you, if a left tackle shows a little bit of, uh, of an eye contact, Across the dining room, ballroom. God, Brett Veach is trading up to what seven? You think just the rest of the draft to go up to seven? I, hey, I'm not, I'm, you know there are a couple of tackles that I would I would trade up to take at seven. If you cut Eric Fisher, that's eleven point nine million in salary cap savings. Do we know if he has an injury guarantee in there? That always makes things more complicated. It I don't does. know that he does, but I always wonder about it. It does. It would be it would be truncated a little bit. But okay. the the biggest cap casualty, which is on the athletic.com from the Chiefs perspective, is Eric Fisher. Mm-hmm. And and that'll be a real shame if it happens, but also depending on everything, a decent business decision. That's gonna be one yep. of those tough, tough. Football is a business moments yep. if it happens. Um, but like like you said, like if if they call Trent Williams and he's like, oh, you know, I, I guess I could be convinced if I saw some money. And they're like, well, we, we got this elite dude that would consider signing with us. You know? Huh. <laughs> Do you think that's how the response would go? No, no, I think it would probably be a little more like, hang on, I need to make a call. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Or actually, it would be more like, no, stay on the line with me. My assistant's going to make a call. <laughs> don't stop talking. Don't put the phone down. Don't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. And that's obviously, are you, like, are you by a fax machine by chance? <laughs> <laughs> and that's obviously just, I mean, you know, it, uh, the, he's the only elite option out there. So that's the reason his name gets floated. But okay. yes, I mean, Fisher, Loki, I mean, they can save a lot of money there. Injury guarantees do change things a little bit, but teams always find a way around that. Let's be honest. So this ended up being a quintessential kickoff of the offseason yeah. episode of the show. So I want to tell everybody the other stuff. Uh, first of all, Nate's got every upcoming unrestricted free agent for the Chiefs, broke down all of them, has predictions for all of them. It's a great read if you want to kind of just get where what Nate is thinking as of right now. Read that in The Athletic. Also, Seth has a couple of lessons the Chiefs can learn from the Super Bowl. That's up on The Athletic. And his Patrick Mahomes film review 
is up on uh, the Chief of the North newsletter from the Super Bowl. Seth, I, we, we talked about this some on 810. I'll cross-promote to one of my things this time, I guess, which is really just Seth. Uh, but we, I talked to Seth <laughs> last night on the show, and you can hear him talk much more about the Patrick Mahomes side of things uh, looking back at the Super Bowl. But you should really go read it in the Chief of the North newsletter. It's unlocked. It's free to go read it right now. Mm. So you can go check that out there as well. And you can follow all of us on Twitter at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan. I'm at JB Briscoe. That's the end of the plugs of everything, because the one more thing that we have to mention tonight is uh, something that, that happened that uh, absolutely reverberated, not just through Kansas City sports media, but all around the, the media world, is that uh, Therese Paylor of, uh, of Yahoo Sports, and was formerly, of course, of the Kansas City Star, passed away unexpectedly, and... Uh, I, I have talked about it some, Seth and I talked about it some that day um, on the show, which was a, just a long, difficult day. And so I don't need to to say anything extra. Seth, if you want to say anything, that's fine. I want to give Nate the most space to talk about Therese a little bit and everything that happened. The one thing that I'll say on the front end is something that I've said multiple times, which is that it is uh, outrageously rare for someone's passing to result in an absolutely unanimous mm. Twitter page, uh, uh, stories being told, everyone who wrote about it in various forms and their interactions with him. There is nothing, nothing that unites a Twitter timeline ever, anything ever. And the universal, Therese was incredible. He was excellent to everyone. He was absolutely ridiculously good at his job and loved it and loved the people around him. That was unanimous and has been uh, ever since that news dropped. So that's the one thing that I I continue going back to is more stories still to this day keep yeah. keep coming out. Um, but with that being said, Seth, I don't know if you have anything you want to say and then I want to kick it over to Nate and just let the show go. Um, I would just say that... Uh the 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 stories that that if you never met Therese or had a chance to interact with him, the stories that you've heard um, from people in Kansas City media, especially regarding him, if anything, really do undersell um, how good he was to work with. Uh, the fact that he was very very kind, um, he he made me an outsider feel like I wasn't, mm. and mm. he made me a. Nobody knew who I was, you know, quote unquote blogger, feel like I was an equal um, long before I had any following or anything like that. And he was actually one of the first people to reach out to me and ask me how The Athletic was treating me and ask if I had any worries or concerns. And he wasn't just like that with me. I'm not special. He was like that with everyone. And it, it's it's genuinely a poor world uh, without him. But the the impact that he had on me and a bunch of other people in terms of being kind while also being a, a headhunting grinder um, <laughs> and, and an absolute alpha in every situation while still being kind somehow, he, he mastered that in a way very few people do. And I guess that's what I would say about Therese. Um, yeah, I, I just want to – it's just – it's been great to hear from a lot of people, including you guys. Uh, obviously, we talked um, after his death. It's you know, it's it's a little over a week now. It still feels um, chaotic and bizarre, but this is the reality that we live in. I've I wrote some things on Twitter, um, and uh, I'm going to tell some stories that were not included in that real quick. 
But I just want to tell people that he was a great man. Um, he cared deeply about people. He loved football. And I know there was some discussion <laughs> as it relates to this show uh, during the postseason. <laughs> I knew he listened to the show because we were that close. Um, I had developed, you know, obviously, I guess this weird talent for impressions. And <laughs> I always knew I was going to do one of Therese <laughs> and that I was never going to tell him about it. Um, and that he was going to have to learn through others. Um, I, I know, I know he enjoyed it. I know he appreciated it because it was so much out of love. Um, but really quick, I, I started covering this team in 2018 for the athletic. Um, Therese was super happy, was super proud. He had kind of advocated for me in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, I met fans during training camp of 2018 through Therese that people revered and loved this man so much that he extended his goodwill to me as I was just starting this thing. And whenever you start any endeavor, it's always like, am I going to be good enough? Is this, how is this going to go? Obviously the athletic was relatively still new at the time, particularly in, in the Kansas city market. And so I remember there are people like Anita who would make it an annual journey to go to St. Joseph, Missouri, just to hang out with Therese for however much time that was available to them while watching the Chiefs practice as they get ready for another season. So in a lot of ways, uh, I know a lot of fans, subscribers, listeners came to us through him. So we are we are always going to be um, incredibly grateful to him. Um, I also know too that there was there was true symmetry in the way that I found out about his death. Um, some people called me. I was writing a story. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna call these people back. That's what I do generally. Was I try to focus on on writing something? But and I'm gonna mention her name because she's kind of important to this. But Brooke Pryor called me, and I was like, Fine, I will answer. <laughs> The phone, because <laughs> I, because I, I, I love Brooke, and you have to, re- you have to remember, she had an incredibly difficult task of replacing Therese at the Kansas City Star. Mm-hmm. That I, I cannot stress that enough. Okay, um, and for an entire season in 2018, we literally, me and Brooke walked in his path we we walked behind him he answered every question he knew way more than we did obviously um he set up relationships and gave us a rapport that you you just it's it's so rare in this industry and it's a great lesson for me as i move forward in my career given um again how how much i love therese and so there was there was real symmetry in in her whenever she learned of the news and then making it a point to call me because without Therese, I don't know how successful either one of us are at this. So um, I appreciate Brooke for calling me. And then lastly, um, and this was how we'll end the show. And again, I, I appreciate people for staying with us this long. There was, there is an annual event for black sports journalists who happen to cover the league 
at the combine. Um, we usually get together at a dinner. It's one of the things I look forward to most every year. And, you know, for all the discussions about where the league's going with diversity, with the Rooney rule, with the nonsense um, from whatever issue you want to look at it from a least perspective, it is cool to have everybody meet in Indianapolis and for us to sort of acknowledge to one another who has helped us, who has, who has helped you get to this point in your career. That's what the whole dinner is sort of predicated on. And so it was really cool, not this year, but last year, that I walked to the dinner with Therese. <laughs> we sat down at similar tables. And one of the things you're supposed to do is you're supposed to introduce yourself after everybody's eaten. Um, it's a big room and it's like, wow, Kim Martin is going to be like the NFL national reporter for ESPN. And I've known Kim for like a decade. <laughs> and how did you get here? And so it was, it was a great honor. And I've cried several times about standing up and telling people, Hey, I'm Nate. I'm just this little dude in Kansas city. And <laughs> the reason I'm here in a lot of ways is because of someone like Therese Paler. And letting him hear that in the room with his peers as he is one of, if not, you know, the most res- one of the most respected guys uh, covering the league for a long time. Um, it is something I'll, it, it's something I'll never forget. And I'm just glad that he knew how much he meant to me in the moment. And um, I just can't I just can't thank him enough for all that he's given me. And I can't thank fans and readers enough to respond to me in however way they wanted to tell me that they think of us in the same vein. It is one of the higher um, appreciative things anybody could say. Um, We will honor him as we move forward. And, um, and yeah, I just, I love him. I, I, I'm, I'm still really, really sad uh that he's gone but i'm i'm glad that he knew how important he was to all of us um even before his death 